0: Good morning, good morning. morning. We've been talking to a camera for months. You guys got to give me something today, right? Uh, It's so good to be with you all, Uh, everyone watching at home. uh, I'm glad you're watching at home, but I cannot wait for you to not watch at home and be here next week, uh, next Sunday, when we're gathered for the first time in person and for the volunteers here who are helping us. Thank you so much for being here and for making all this possible Um, I looked it up. The last time I spoke in front of actual human beings was December 1st, 2019. That was the last time I I gave a sermon in front of people. And since then, my life changed like crazy. Y'all probably forget, but I went on sabbatical. Eunji and I went to the Great Barrier Reef and swam with, you know, all these fish. Um, I had my appendix removed. Y'all remember how crazy my summer was? Uh, This COVID-19 thing happened, by the way. We got vaccinated and then... Very recently, as many of you know, we welcomed our first baby into the world. Uh, so Judah is at home right now. So my life changed big time, as all of yours did as well. Those are the details of the changes of my life. I'm sure you have many. And I'm really excited to preach for the first time as a dad. I remember one of the, I forget what evening, but I looked deep into Inji's eyes. I was like, Eunji, I feel like something's missing. Like, I really need a baby. And she was like, oh, like do you really want to be a dad that badly? It's like, no, I'm running out of sermon illustrations. I need some content. Every preacher has the best material. And now, today, you're going to get the beginning, day one, of lots and lots of baby material for my sermons going forward. But certainly today, we have so much to catch up on in each other's lives and what's going on in the world and what's happened at Cornerstone, what's going to happen at Cornerstone for since March 2020 when we were at BFIT and now we've changed two buildings. But today, as it feels like kind of the day one of a new era for our church, so this new whatever we're entering into, this season if you want to call it, I'm incredibly excited to share with all of you the most important words that were ever spoken in human history the most important words that were ever written down and the most important words that we'll read and say as long as the earth and the universe exists. These words already have for many of us, it's changed our eternity. It's completely changed your life. And for those of you who it hasn't done that yet, I pray and I look forward to that day when it does the same for you as it has for millions, maybe actually billions of people that have walked to this earth since God created it in the beginning. So Cornerstone, here John 3.16-21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Cornerstone, uh, friends here at Kendall, those of you who are watching at home, my singular sermon point for today is really simple, but I urgently want you to hear it, to hold it dearly, to take it home with you, not not just to listen in these 20, 30 minutes, but to take it home with you forever. And it's this, that Jesus loves you. That's a singular point for today's message. Jesus loves you. See, this phrase, it's, been, it's, it's the most important one that I could possibly say, but it's been mocked, uh, it's laughed at, it's characterized. Um, people use it sarcastically and comically a lot, even in just like popular media. Uh, some of us Christians within the church were jaded by it, or maybe we don't really believe it all the time. It's lost its meaning. It's kind of all over the place. But I want to bring us back, again, as we kind of enter into this new era of our lives as individuals, our faith certainly, and then as a church, Jesus loves you. Let's bring it back to the center, to the heart. So I share this not with any authority or any power that I have, but straight from God's holy word. He loves you. So today I'm going to show you what God is doing in my life today um, through fatherhood, this journey of relearning this glorious truth for me. So that's where I'm at. I don't know where y'all are at in your lives, but I hope that whatever that is for you, and you know what that is for yourself personally, that you'll relearn or for the first time learn this truth that Jesus loves you exactly where you are at. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, these verses, they belong together. It's got to be stuck. I know most of us don't memorize it that way uh, because verse 16, you know, naturally it gets all the credit. It's the one that's the most memorized, most repeated, most put in calligraphy on like a mug or on like a kitchen cork board, probably like in Texas or somewhere. It's all over the place. And verse 16 gets all the credit. But don't forget about 17. If you've memorized 16 before and you haven't memorized 17, memorize them together. Because these two verses in tandem are what changed the entire world of your hist- in all history. Because firstly, it speaks of the immense love of God for his people. But then secondly, 17 comes in and it makes clear what his mission was. To save you. He loves you so much that he, his purpose was to save you, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, Jesus was sent into this world to save your soul, and that's how important you are. That's how valuable you are. The creator God actually sends his one and only son to save you. So at home right now, not here with us in Kendall, is, uh, as you know, is, is Unji, my wife, and my new son. His name is Judah. And most of you know that, for those of you who've been attending our church and are connected with us. What well, 99% of you don't know is that we had a major scare during labor and delivery. Very, very scary. So I didn't know this. I just learned it just because I was there. But for those of you who don't know, in the labor and delivery department in a hospital, you know they have all the rooms and all the moms and you know, are waiting in their own room. But there's a central like, command station, if you will. And they're watching all of the rooms and the moms who are hooked up to all these devices that are monitoring mom and also monitoring baby. And a central command station, they keep an eye on every room as well as the nurses are sent to each individual room. And if something goes wrong, I don't know what it is, but I just imagine a big red button. They smash it and then alarm goes off and everybody stops what they're doing. And they rush into the room to save mom and baby because it's literally a matter of minutes before something goes wrong. And guess what? That was us. They sound the alarm and I didn't know what was happening. I was like watching the NBA playoffs, kind of falling asleep and they burst through the door and like all of a sudden seven, eight, maybe nine doctors and nurses barge in. They're, kicking, they're like telling me to get the heck out of the way, move into a corner and something's happening. Basically, Judah's heart rate had plummeted, and they called the anesthesiologist. Doctors are poking, poking their heads in. Do you need me? I'm on the floor. And just with this precision and intentionality and speed and intensity, they're just like going to work and doing things that I don't understand. And they saved him. See, Judah had not lived a single second outside of the womb. No human being, mom and dad, we have not touched him or seen his face to face But because every human life is so incredibly precious, in that moment, it was like he was the most important person in the entire hospital. All the doctors and nurses, whatever they were doing at that moment, dropped what they were doing, including their time with other patients, literally ran into our room to save him because that's how valuable his life is. That's how valuable your life is. Do you understand how important you are? how precious and valuable you are? See, this rescue story is yours, except yours is much better than this one. Because God sent his only son in a rescue mission to save you. See, when Jesus speaks these words, you know, when we read, uh, for God so loved when he sent His one and only son, this isn't like demographic information. Jesus is not sharing like, I'm an only child, by the way. The reason why he says one and only son, this is, emphasizing the greatness of the act and the deed, emphasizing the immensity of the love, the extreme measures that he went to to go and to save you. This is an emergency mission where God just shows the greatest act of love because you are that important. You are that loved. And I feel like a lot of us either forget that or I don't think we necessarily struggle to know it, at least churched people, we know. That's probably why you're here. You probably wouldn't come to church if you didn't cognitively know that. I don't suppose the majority of Cornerstone people have that problem. But maybe the problem that a lot of us struggle with is believing it deep inside of us, in our hearts of, heart of hearts, that Jesus actually loves me. Because we think, we, we think a lot about the stuff that gets in the way of what would keep him from loving me. We, we're experts at thinking about that. My failures, shortcomings, mistakes, I'm guilty, all those kind of things. But, but let me show you something from this passage. There's something incredibly uh, just important about these two verses that, that we miss often. and the so use of the word world. It's very shocking that Jesus says, for God to so love the world. He did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We miss it because when you and I, as 2021 Americans speaking English, when we hear world, we kind of think everyone. World means is synonymous with all. For God so loved all people. For God so loved everyone. And, and maybe there's a small element to that when John's writing, but I don't think that's really what he's saying. If we read the rest of John's gospel and then the letters that he leaves us at the end of the New Testament, John uses world here and there. And if you see when he uses it, he uses it in talking about something bad. Whenever he uses world, it's really negative. It's dark and evil and broken and sinful. He doesn't say world to be like everything, all things, everything on God's blue earth. When he says world, it's attached with evil. And even look at our passage, verse 19. This is the verdict. This is another time he uses world. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness because their deeds were evil. See, it's another example. World is not a good thing. It's not everybody. So isn't it interesting that in the same world history-shattering speech that, that Jesus is explaining about the greatest love of sending his own, God sending his one and only son at the same time, in the same passage, same speech, he talks about how terrible it is, the thing that he supposedly loves. How evil and rotten and fallen and broken this thing is. And so what about me and you? How could God really love me if I'm that flawed of a human being? So I'd like to share with you one of the most memorable moments I've had as a dad so far. And you guys know me. It's not going to be when I you know, you know met him. It's going to be the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? So... In the second week of Judah's life, like I was still on paternity leave, right? And by then, you're just so tired that, you know when you're so tired that you feel like you have no organs, like you're hollow, and you're just like kind of dead inside? So that's where I'm at, so just to get you in the picture. And and I are switching, taking turns overnight with feeding. So you go, I go every three, whatever, two hours. And so, you know, he he cries, and I know it's my turn, so I like scurry awake, I check my phone, it's somewhere around 4 a.m., I pick him up to go downstairs and do the whole routine. Change the diaper, feed him, burp him, put him down, and wash and rinse and repeat, right? And so I'm struggling, my eyes are all crusty, but I find my way downstairs and I begin the process. I put him down on the changing table and open up the diaper. And what I see inside <laughs> makes me feel like a porta potty at Burning Man it was probably cleaner than what my son had created. And it's just explosive poop, like everywhere. Now, I've never seen something like this before, so when I hear everywhere, I think like all here, but it was everywhere, right? Like up in his belly button crevice, all like like caked on his weenie-peenie, you know, like all over his balls, like everywhere, like all over the place. It ruined his onesie, it stained all up his body, on the swaddle, like poop, all around. You get the point. And so I'm trying to change his diaper, but... You know, I'm a noob. I mean, I'm still a noob. But at that point, I'm definitely a noob. And babies, they don't like getting their diapers changed. So he's screaming. And he's flailing his arms. And he's kicking. Right? It's like he's like on a scooter. He's like constantly kicking. But with every kick, it's going into his own mess. And then Judah Yoon turns into Jackson Pollock. And he's making a painting like all over the place. Stamping his footprint of poop all over my floor, on me, on the changing pad. Like, it's just... Everywhere, So I'm, it's on my hands. I'm like freaking out like, okay, don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. And I'm trying to wipe everything and I'm freaking out. And then it got worse. It got worse. See, for all the parents who didn't warn me, I feel backstabbed by all of you. But what I was not warned is that when a baby's penis is exposed, I feel like it's like lighting dynamite. But there's no string to tell you, like, when it's going to go off. And so I didn't know. And of course, he starts peeing. And I used to, th- like, I thought the poop would just be here. Pee would dribble. But how do I explain what the pee looks like? Have you ever seen the Bellagio fountain at Las Vegas? <laughs> pssh, like, up. Not looking, oh, no, you're peeing, but up. Pssh, pssh. Like all over the place. It's like a fountain show of his pee everywhere. And so it's getting on my legs. It's all over my clothes. It's running down the floor. It's in his mouth because he's crying. And he's spitting his pee into his own mouth. And it's just chaos. Finally, he stops peeing. And I muster the strength to not crawl into a corner and die. And in like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, I clean everything wipe everything up, put it in the trash, get the spray, disinfect everything that it could have possibly gone on, fresh diaper, fresh onesie, fresh swaddle. And finally, it's like five-something, the sun is out, birds are chirping, and he's calm. And so I'm, my retainers are still in. This is not attractive. I'm only wearing my underwear because he peed all over my clothes. I'm probably like drooling. Like I've crusted my eyes, I've tried to wash all the poop off my hands, but finally there's a moment of calm, and I have him in my arms, and we plop on the couch. I sigh this big sigh of relief. And I remember looking at Judah's calm face and kissing him on the forehead and saying, Judah, I love you. In the moment, I had this realization of how somebody could be so filthy, and so lovable at the same exact time. Because the mess, it doesn't get in the way. It doesn't block your love. And that's what Jesus did for you. You have a great mess that he wipes so pure that scripture uses analogy after analogy to describe how clean you are. And our sin is so much worse than poo, right? Like, or human waste. But God loves you with a costly, redeeming love, powerful enough to send his son to die on the cross to purify you from that filth, from that dirtiness, because he loves you. John Calvin once said this, men are not easily convinced that God loves them. I'm with that. And so... To remove all doubt, he has expressly stated that we are so very dear to God that for our sakes, he did not spare even his only begotten son. To remove all doubt. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is a unconditional, incalculable, inestimable, immeasurable love that He has for you. See, parents, they have this thing of being encouraged to talk to their babies as much as you can, like from when they're in the womb till you know they don't need to be able like understand. And so I remember everyone was telling me, oh, do you talk to him? Like, do you get near Unji's belly? Be like, hi, little guy in there. You don't have a name yet, all the way till now. Like, oh, do you talk to him? Do you talk to him? And I thought it was kind of awkward. I'm like, not really. And so I didn't. I didn't really talk to him. and Because I, and I, I thought it was pretty silly at first. But uh, since then, I've had a change of heart. And so I try to talk to him all the time now because I had this thought. Do you remember the first time you said mommy or daddy? Or mom or dad or... No? You don't. None of us do. None of us remember when you first said mom or when you first said dad. But you know how or why you ended up saying that. Because before you could speak English or whatever language, before you could comprehend language or sounds, before your ears were even working properly or your eyes could see who the noisemaker was, Before any of that comprehensive stuff had to connect or click, there were two individuals and others who kept telling you that over and over. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. It's daddy. Over and over and over again. It didn't matter how close you were to getting your first words. It didn't matter how much you understood. It didn't matter whether you were even out of the womb, apparently, for many couples. They just kept telling you constant repetition and then one day it clicked you looked back and you uttered those words and from that moment till forever it'll always be that truth inside of you you know who they are that's mom that's dad it's cemented in your brain it clicked in your brain it rooted deep in your heart and it'll never change you know who they are forever See, I pray that for your whole life, that there will be so many godly men and women surrounding you and repeating this truth to you over and over and over again. Whether or not you understand it, or maybe you know it cognitively as a Christian, but you struggle to believe it, whether you want them to say that, whether you're one of the ones that uses it uh, comically or get jaded by it, or whether it bothers you that, you know, Goody two-shoe Christian is always telling me the Bible answers. Whether you want to hear it or accept it or not, I pray for you in your life that there will be so many people surrounding you that will nonstop just keep telling you over and over and over again until it cements in your brain, until it takes root deep in your heart, and that it never changes forever, that Jesus loves you. So as your pastor, I want to play... Just one part of that role, the chorus of voices saying it. For everyone at home, I can't look you in the face right now, but Jesus loves you. And those of you in this room, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, Bill, Jason, Yaren, Pat, Esther, Hojin. Jesus loves all of you. Jesus loves you. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, remind us of how great your love truly is. Let it take deep, permanent root inside of our hearts. And would you bear great fruit for all of our lives through this life-changing, eternity-altering truth that you loved us enough to save us. Remind us of it when we don't remember, or when we push it away, when we find it hard to believe. Remind us of it when we feel like our sin gets in the way when we feel like we're unlovable or that it couldn't be true. Surround us with many voices and with your holy word as a symphony, a chorus, just singing about us that Jesus loves you. Thank you for how good you are to us. And we pray this one prayer and response that we would love you in return for all our days. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.